1: party my name is jerry sherwin and i am a blogger at black heart gold pants joining me today one of them feared michigan state and the other one laughed at them it's max Brecky and ben ross boys what's going on
2: um yeah it's i'm alive i'm here
1: go twins <laughs> we got a twins fan max mm. i think you are a cubs fan is that correct
2: that would that would be correct
1: And I am just a lonely White Sox fan, just hoping to one day be back in the playoffs. So both of you guys enjoy the playoffs while I'm sitting here already thinking about Bulls basketball.
2: I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) Oh, why would you ever think about Bulls basketball? that's where my heart is, unfortunately. Damn you, Michael Jordan. It shouldn't have been a 90s baby. It just hurts. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, the Bulls are going to be bad, so have fun with that one. It's
1: just misery all around because there was another Hawkeye loss this weekend, too, that just makes everything even worse um the hawkeyes are 0-2 in the big 10 after another disappointing 17-10 loss Um, that was kind of the exact opposite of what penn state was uh two weeks ago at this point i for one was not very pleased with the way the game went down especially offensively as some of you might have read uh, my recap after the game but i'm kind of curious to start the show can you guys both kind of put me in your headspace on saturday and kind of where you are now after thinking about that game uh from a couple from the last couple days
0: so when, when we lost to Penn State, I was sad. I was sad because this team had played so well. They played good enough to win. I think they deserved the win. And then on last week with Michigan State, I was mad. I was mad because there was nothing that told me that Michigan State was a better team. I think the play calling was, it was malpractice. The way we used our personnel, the way we set up the run and the pass, the way we did everything on offense was just, there was nothing on that on that that show me we had you know the son of a coach who's been doing this for you know his entire life basically is to he's been a football coach and he's been the longest tenured football coach in america and he just went out and he laid a goose egg he's got the players he's got the talent he's got an all-star defense behind him backing him up and he and his son um i think it was a joint venture and they both max how
2: about you uh, so I did not watch a single minute of the game while it was happening. I ended up watching it after the fact. So by the time that, uh, by the time that I finally got around to watching the game, I had already kind of gone through the grieving process, and I like I never really felt anything like any anger or anything like that. I was just like, wow, okay, so they they lost. I kind of didn't really expect them to lose, but I did see a you know difficult test against Michigan State on the road. Uh, so, I mean, I kind of went through that grieving process pretty quick, and then I watched the game after the fact by choice, and it was ugly, but, like, at that point, I did not have any emotions towards it. I could not be angry watching it because I was already, you know, disappointed and upset about it when it happened, and so I never really got to go through that grieving process for this game, so I'm kind of no, happy I that.
1: I generally try to watch these games twice. I've done that so far this season except for this one. To me, on Saturday, when I was writing through halftime, basically, halftime on, it, it seemed like Iowa was trying not to lose that entire game, and I know JP and see added this uh, in his piece for Monday. It, it, it just, the offensive play calling to me in the first half was, I don't want to say lazy, but it was just, it was so, Michigan State knew what was coming, and then when they know what's coming, they have, they're have pinning their ears back. They have eight or nine guys cramming the box and shooting at the gaps. When you have Nate Stanley literally trying to audible at the line of scrimmage into a directional run that is going right into the teeth of the defense, those guys were, I don't, I don't know if you saw, but they were smiling and calling off their fake audible to make Stanley audible. It was It was so... Outrageous the way this offensive pre- offense performed, knowing that there are so many weapons that Nate Stanley has between Akram Wadley and Noah Fant, and at this point ISM and Easley, like they've shown that they can play big time offense in college football, and none of it showed up. It was so unimaginative. Um, <clears throat> today in the pre- today at Kirk Francis
0: press conference, he, or I no, rather just Stanley during media availability, he said that the the. The play calling at the line of scrimmage, the audibleing has been uh, simplified from when CJB was there. And that just tells me that they don't trust Stanley, which, I mean, it's fine. It's his fourth start of his, or fifth start, rather, of his young career. But, like, give him something. Give him, give him the tools that he needs to win the game. It sounds like they just don't trust him at all, which is something we've seen before <clears throat> from this coach with a first-year quarterback, especially one who's 19 years old. But it just they, they don't put him in a position to win. And I think he has all the tools in his toolbox to win. And you know, they're just not letting him, you know, release the hounds, more or less. And that makes me sad that they can't just trust him.
2: See, I find that interesting because last year whenever CJ would audible into something, he always audibled into a run. So I kind of wonder how simplified, you know, the audibles really are for this quarterback. Because, I mean, it's a first-year head coach, so I don't know what he would have called last year in these audible situations or if he's just kind of simplifying it from the Greg Davis offense. But I don't think that it was that complicated to begin with last year. I feel like they always audibled into a run that would, you know, run straight into the teeth of the defense, and it would be, you know, still a 2-3-yard run.
0: So, this is not your 2016 but, Russian attack. Um, that made a little bit more sense last year when we had, you know, LaShawn Daniels and somebody to spell Wadley, but, or Wadley to spell Daniels even rather. But, I mean, right now this is the Akram Wadley show. He's a, he's a stable back. He's, all, he's the only person that they're giving a chance. Um, you can't just audible, you know, to your, your best playmaker when they know it's coming.
1: Yeah, they're expecting it every single time.
0: No, yeah, I would agree with
1: that. And, and to go off that, the last two games, I know Penn, I thought Penn State's D looked a lot better than what Michigan State did, did um, as far as just being quick and to the ball. Um, Absolutely. The last two games, Iowa, this is who they are. I know that their whole game plan is to chip away, chip away, chip away, and then hopefully hit on one of those home run balls. Stanley, to this point, hasn't been able to deliver on some of that to open up that offense a little bit more, but – When's the last time you saw an Iowa offense stuck in the mud like it was against Michigan State? Uh, I think through two games now, like, they're averaging uh, three. It was, oh, the last two games, there's been, like, 50-some rushes for 100 yards, and on this season, they're averaging 3.4 yards a carry. That's not Iowa offensive football. No. You
2: no. Know, have to say, it's pro- it was probably just 2012. That's the last or most recent time that I could think of that I remember watching an Iowa offense this putrid and you know unperforming and unimaginative. And that was year one of the Greg
0: Davis experiment.
1: God, and that yeah, it has to be 2012. And that's that's not what this whole thing was supposed to be. Not with somebody like Wadley on the on the field. Not with somebody like Noah Fant. I know that he's been catching some heat this week a little bit for not being able to turn around um, and look for some of those passes. But it seems like even some people in his family are getting a little upset that he's not being targeted. I, I, my question for you boys is too: what's going on with like the intermediate passing game. Cause even that doesn't seem like it's, it's catching on. Um, is this something to do with Iowa? Just the last two games getting pinned in their own, you know, pinned really far in. I think their average start was the, like the nine yard line in that game. Um, Is that just offensive play calling because of the field position that they're in? Or is this just Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz doing what they do and hoping that they'll eventually chip away and Wadley will crack one open?
0: I think it's just got to be, you know, they know they usually try and let the run open up the pass and they're, they want to be comfortable or they're uncomfortable and doing it the other way around, which is weird because, you know, you have a guy like Noah Fant who could be a generational talent. You have a guy like TJ Hawkinson, who's, uh, uh, overachieving right now in my opinion and a guy like you know Amir Smith marset who could you know be one of the best he who is a real legit slot receiver something we haven't seen like ever at Iowa since like Tim Dwight and I just, you know I just don't get it I want to say like I've got conspiracy theory that like Noah Fant might be a little bit hurt that's why he hasn't been playing nearly as well or getting nearly as many looks as he was the first three or four games of the year but then I mean he wouldn't be playing at all I think but you know Stanley's looking at Hawkinson first, more, more so from what I briefly rewatched. you know, that, and, you know, I, I just think that it's still a team looking, figuring out its offensive identity, which, I mean, I think it's just kind of like score, payground hole. Like, the coaches are saying, you know, Wadley first, second, and third down, but I think, you know, everybody but the coaches might say or might be thinking that we don't need to do that. We have the talent at receiver and tight end where Wadley can just be a compliment to a passing attack. Clearly our quarterback has the arm. And I'm, like I said earlier, they're just scared to What's interesting the with that is,
1: to me is that the offensive line that needs to obviously run protect for Wadley to be able to do that, Hasn't been a great run-blocking team at this point. To be honest with you, from what I've oh. seen, they've been a better pass protection team, which is weird because that's not what they're exactly. supposed to be. They yeah. were supposed to be the guys that move the sled and wildly supposed to just kind of pick his pick his lane behind him.
0: Yeah, I'd even mention, I mean, they look above average to good in the pass protection and they look you know below average to bad in, in run-blocking. And part of that's because you've got six blockers going at nine defenders. But absolutely, the strength of this offensive line is definitely pass blocking. I don't think anybody would say otherwise.
2: No, yeah, I would agree with that statement. But it's hard to tell when there's – against Michigan State, I counted numerous times where they had nine guys in the box, and it wasn't even, you know, like your standard Mm eight-man box that Iowa usually faced up against. Michigan State was ready for the run, and they were ready for nothing but the run. And Iowa got a few wide receivers or tight ends or whoever it was behind the defense – Stanley just missed, as he's been prone to do so far this season. But the pass blocking has been there. It's been the exact opposite complaint that happened, that everybody had last year. And it's kind of frustrating because everybody back is from last year, essentially. They're just moved around a little bit, so maybe they need to shuffle that. I, I think that's I why, to bring
1: this full circle, why I don't understand why Stanley doesn't have the ability to even just check into or audible into like a quick slant type route. I mean, it's it's not that that's not a difficult play to have happen. It's a quick drop. It's a quick let go of the football. If he sees it open, these guys are loading the box. You just get rid of it fast, and all of a sudden you can get a, a three-yard pass turned into a 15-yard gain if everybody's loading the box, and they think that he's audibling into a run, which is exactly what Michigan State did that entire game. It's got to be a wrinkle they have to put in at some point.
2: Yeah, and maybe maybe it is there, but I don't, I don't know if – you know, maybe – I don't know. Maybe it's not there. <laughs> at, at this yeah. point, nobody knows but the coaches. Nobody knows but the coaches. Nobody knows but the players. It could and be. And the could worst be.
1: part is, to me, is that, honestly, Iowa should have won this game. They had two opportunities late. They oh, had two man, opportunities yeah. late where they fumbled the football. Nate Stanley had the thing where it just flipped mm-hmm. out of his hand when he was trying to find – I think, again, it was Fant in the end zone, and I think he got too excited. The ball slipped out. It was a rule to fumble. And yeah. then Brandon, poor Brandon Smith on his second catch ever uh, fumbles when they were driving again. was should have. That made me, me too, sad. Because he's probably going to go in the doghouse. I don't know if he's got the leash that um, Amir Smith-Marset had. But Iowa should have won this one. They should have won against Penn State. So how do we honestly judge this Iowa team at this point, knowing that the defense came out, yes, the first drive, they let those guys go out and score, they knocked the rust off from the Penn State game, and then they pitched a shutout again in the second half. So the defense is there. The special team's very questionable. But the offense had enough to get this job done again this past weekend.
2: It's, it's just a matter of getting the rushing yards because Iowa mm-hmm. ran – Let's see. They ran 25 times. They passed 32, so that's 57 plays. They ran 57 plays in this game, which isn't going to get it done when the teams you're playing are running 70 plus. Michigan State ran 60, 68 plays in this game. That's 10 more plays, which isn't a, you know the end of the world, but You know, that's going to give you the time of possession, and that's what Iowa wants to do. They want to control that, and when they can't control that, they're not going to be able to win. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: I never really thought about – because I remember, like, the hallmark of the Greg Davis teams. Like, they would usually run, like, 60 plays about, and the opponents would run about 20 more plays. Uh, I mean, yeah, that is concerning, absolutely, but you can't move the sticks. Uh, Iowa only had 11 first downs. Michigan State had 19. Uh, you know, it's just about they're not getting anything done on first down either. Like we were 4-14 on third down too. Usually been pretty yeah. good on uh, third down this year. I, I just hate seeing us run on first down because everybody knows it's coming. I, I wish I knew how many times we ran on first down and passed on first down this game because I'd be willing to bet. That those was are very skewed in and one speaking direction. Speaking of
1: running on first down... Where are the other running backs? Yeah. I know that James Butler is hurt, but why is Wadley playing this much? There, there should be somebody. They've proven that they can do it. Where are these other guys at? How can you give Torn,
0: Yon, and uh, Ivory Kelly Martin, what, like 10, 10 snaps, 10, 15 snaps apiece? And, uh, granted, it's North Texas. Granted, uh, it's North Texas. But how can you just totally, gosh dang it, totally take them out of your game plan? How can you not only like that just shows you don't trust them if I'm a football player, like you don't trust me to play, to, you know, do my, do my job in a big football game. Uh, and that, that's, that messes with the player's head. If you ask me, like not giving them any, any type of look at all. Like I just really don't get it.
2: Yeah. It's a little bit concerning that they hadn't been around the past couple of days. However, from what I did see, uh, on twitter and the brief couple of moments i got to check it earlier wadley did say that they're going to get more involved and he said that he welcomes them getting more involved so maybe that means he's a little bit gassed i don't know maybe he doesn't want to be the workhorse maybe he just needs you know just t- maybe he wants to split that time but he said that he welcomed them being more of a part of the offense and it sounds like they will be moving that sounds forward to me like he went to the coaches worth. and
1: said something mm-hmm I mean, after the game from all the stuff that I saw from guys like Chad Lysico, he was not very thrilled with even being asked questions about the run game. I think at one point he even asked Chad back, what do you see out there when he asked him if he's seeing any holes, So obviously Wadley is getting a little upset. That was Wadley that asked That was Wadley? That's Um, hilarious. That's That's football. football. And speaking of that's football, Mr. Coach Kirk Ferentz said this week that they don't need – a certain panic button, but they need an improvement button. So I'm curious if you guys had to pick out one thing from the Michigan State game to hit the improvement button on. What would it be?
2: Go ahead, Ben.
0: Can
1: I say play calling? Is that fair, or do I have to do no, a player? It's an improvement button. Improvement is all around.
0: I think play calling. Like I, honestly, like I know I had some pretty hot takes on the Twitter machine following the game. Shout out to Hams Beer. But the, the play is still even going. I didn't rewatch the whole game. I rewatched probably. Half of it, just uh, I didn't want to watch the whole thing just because I got better things to do. But the the, the play calling, I'm still going to put you know the I know we had the fumbles, we had the turnovers. Uh, Stanley had the overthrows, but still there were we were we still were put into a position to win that game multiple times, and multiple times well, the play calling just didn't put us in, didn't allow us to do so. Uh, our defense did so much that game. There's nothing you can tell me. Uh, to say you know Iowa didn't do enough on offense from their from their players. It's I think this all comes down to the play calling. Nothing was creative, um, and you know that sort of goes back to the personnel too. Talking about how we didn't have you know Torin Young or Ivory Kelly Martin get some snaps. We didn't have uh, Amir Smith Marsett do as much as we know he can do. Uh, we didn't you know I this I think the third time I said it today, but we didn't let Nate Stanley eat. We didn't unleash the hounds. We didn't let him work out of his toolbox uh we we kept you know we got in a, nate stanley the biggest thing that got in his way wasn't michigan state defense the biggest thing that got in his way was a coaching and that's really really frustrating to watch
1: max can i ask you a quick question before you go <laughs> um okay a lot yeah, of people that i saw even jp and ic mentioned it as well the second half play calling seemed to have gotten better now i haven't gone back to watch it ben you said you watched bits and pieces. Max, you had the ability to kind of go back and not have any sort of emotional attachment to this game. Did you see any better calling in the second half? Because I think in the moment, I'm with Ben, I was very distraught over it. I did not like what happened. Did you see anything different in the second half play calling from Brian Farence?
2: Uh I mean, they, I feel like they did a lot better in the second half. They, but at the same time, they had to march down the field or else they weren't going to win. And you know, so there was a drive where there was the fu- the Stanley he just inexplicably fumbled the ball you know, but up until that point that was a pretty good drive uh you know they had I'm trying to find uh time of possession time of possession they did better than Michigan State in the third quarter uh then they got slaughtered in the fourth quarter because Michigan State was just trying to run it out, but I feel like they did better in the second half than the first half. I wasn't watching super. Like, closely at that point, just because yeah. I knew that it wasn't going to be great. But the, even they punted a couple times at the end of the game. On their last two possessions, they punted the ball. And when you're down, why are you punting it? That's mm. just, but, like, that's. I guess that's more of a conservative approach and it's not a, it's totally a play-calling thing per se. But that was yeah, just my and, thought on it. Yeah, and the
1: punting thing, too, I, we kind of touched on it earlier. Not the best. I said it last week. I was worried about it. I, I actually said this to you guys that Big Ten yeah. teams are going to start just running right up on the football not letting it bounce. And that's exactly what Michigan State did this entire game. I think it's a real, real concern now. Do you think that they're going to take the, re- the, the red shirt off the freshman at this point?
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of hope they do. I heard you got a little bit of work in, uh, a little extra work in at halftime because Rasteader was not performing. That was going to be my improvement button was punting as well.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, because we were right. Yeah, Uh, you guys were right.
1: I was wrong. You're smart. We were very wrong on Michigan State too, Ben, so Max is kind of two for two here. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, but I mean Ugh, a 37 yard average, uh, 37.8 yards. No. That's not great. No. He, one of them pinned him inside the 20. Only one of them. That's that's bad. I think
0: I think it's might be a little early. I think we have. I think Ratzetter has a short leash against Illinois, but we definitely probably see is it Gersnot or Gersandi? I don't know how you pronounce his name.
2: I think it's Gersond. Uh
0: I think we see him after the bye. I think he gets a lot of practice during the bye week, and I think just because, frankly, I don't, or maybe I know he could come out against Illinois. Hopefully he only need to punt once or twice that game, uh, so that'd be a good time to use him. But, you know, yeah, punting, this is not something I, I remember. I, this is not something I remember Iowa ever having this big of a problem with since I've been following the team, honestly. Uh,
2: yeah, for the most part. I think that, what's his name? Uh, Connor Cornbrath wasn't great as a punter.
0: He was still better uh, than But
2: I feel... Yeah yeah, so I was about to say, but he was better than what we've seen from. Uh, yeah, he Rastetter
1: was one of those like unnoticeables, far. which was, I guess a good thing at the end of the day. The fact that we are continuously noticing Rastetter is just goes to show how not so good it's going for him. Um, do you boys have any other general thoughts on Michigan State before I get into our two segments for the day?
0: Fake field goal. He,
2: weird. Yeah, that was fun. I, didn't, I hadn't heard about that before I watched it. When I, when I saw that happen, I was absolutely I shocked. didn't believe it
1: watching it live, but there it Can happened. we get an Epinesa J.J. Watt slash Brian Urlacher package? Because the dude got hands. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: apparently yeah. so.
1: All right, so let's get into our first segment. We're adding one this week. We'll do punter go for it here shortly, but I'm adding one called we're going to call it the panic room. So I'm going to name a player or a situation, and I want you guys to tell me if you're going to be Jodie Foster and shut yourself in an impenetrable room, scared for your life, or if you're going to live openly without a fear in the world in the middle of your living room. You boys ready? Yeah, I was born for this. So after more overthrows and another fumble at an inopportune time and an overall blah game, are you hitting the panic button and going into your panic room? With Nate Stanley, no. Yes. Oh, debate away. I'm curious as to the who's who's going to win this one because I'm on the fence and I need somebody to push me over.
0: There, the, the the pros we are seeing out of Nate Stanley outweigh the cons so so much that it's I, I don't even know what to say. I can't the the overthrows. I think I still firmly believe he'll fix, and it's I like to see him taking those shots. I don't. I'm not confident that Uyghurs or whoever else could be backing him up has that throw in his arsenal. Uh, Stanley still – he didn't throw an interception, right? He fumbled, though. Um, so he's still only yes. thrown two interceptions on the year, right? And then the, just one. So he has and two turnovers, one. three turnovers on the year? Like, come on. In 11- uh,
2: he lost two during the first game. Okay, two that fumbles, is right, yeah.
0: Um, still. Still, that is, what, an 11-touchdown, 4-turnover four, four ratio. That's pretty, pretty good. Uh, I don't know what makes you think Uyghurs or anybody else on this team would have better numbers. Uh, I think Stanley's got, like I said, he's got every throw in his arsenal. He's got decent to above-average legs. Uh, his pocket presence, his pocket awareness I is below average. I'm not pleased by it. But, again, he's 19 years old playing a playing game that will only get better, and especially as our offensive line will get better, as I know they will, because that's a hallmark of Iowa football. Uh, The protection will only get better. There is nothing that tells me that we need to start looking elsewhere for – and not only that, quarterback hasn't been the problem for this team. The problem has been run blocking and play calling and running the ball. Quarterbacking, in my opinion, has not been the problem at all with, with Iowa's two losses this year.
2: All right, so I don't think that Iowa has a better option. I think that Stanley is the option, so I don't think that I'm panicking to the point where we're going to try somebody else out, but I am a little bit concerned. I do have some concerns. One of them is that his only throw seems to be the fastball. Everything that he throws in there seems to be thrown as hard as he can possibly throw it, and that's beneficial you know, for making those you know tight throws, for getting the ball off quickly, but that's... I don't feel like he can. I don't feel like he has the touch. He can develop it over time, but I don't feel like we're going to really see that this season. I feel like if we see it, it's going to be next year when he's a junior. But then the
0: other—that's—that's fine by me. If he needs to take this year to become an incredible quarterback for next year and a senior year, I think that's fine.
2: And then my other thing was going to be the run game was a huge problem against Michigan State, but he also completed less than fifty percent of his passes. 16 for 31 and how many of those were drops I don't recall off top so he yeah.
0: there are at least four or five drops
2: That's correct. So, okay, so he's like 16 and then let's say that if they those were completed maybe 20 for 31 which is about 66% which is a lot better. But It's just, you know, but as I said, that's one of those things where all he does is throw fastballs. And if his receivers can't catch that, then he needs to, then they need, and maybe it's not him that we need to panic on. Maybe it's the receivers or, you know, maybe he needs to learn how to put a little bit more touch for those guys that can't catch it when he doesn't need to throw that fastball. Mm -hmm. Channeling my inner stoops, talking about baseball a lot. Jerry, what do you think?
1: I've seen him make some actual touch passes. There was one to... Amir Smith-Marset for a big third down again. That kid just continuously comes up with big catches when we need him, which, which is why I want to see him on the field more. Um, there was a couple back. Mm-hmm. How about easily yeah, that, to Penn, St- in Penn State? In Penn State, that throw was easily. Incredible. It's there. Um, I'm just worried about the deep throws because if he doesn't learn how to connect. like the, the, Against Michigan State, those ones were probably the furthest that they've been. There was a couple early on with against Iowa State, North Texas and Penn State where he was missing by like an inch. And if a guy would have just dove for it, he probably would have made that completion. But on Saturday, it just wasn't the same. Maybe he was just too juiced. Maybe he was a little worried about what was coming behind him. And he's just trying to feel that pressure. Um, But I'm definitely not worried because like you mentioned it towards the end. Stanley is a sophomore who's going to be, continue to grow with a bunch of kids that are freshmen and sophomores too. He's going to learn how these guys like to run their routes. He's going to learn what type of passes they're really good at catching. And eventually, whether it's his junior season or his senior season, all of this is going to click. And I trust Iowa to have the uh, running backs behind him that are going to be able to take the pressure off of him that way and an offensive line. So at this point, I do think Stanley is the best option and the only option still um, for Iowa's quarterback of the future.
2: Peyton Mansell for president. <laughs>
0: most uh, what is it? Most popular player on the team in this case is the backup punter. Welcome to Iowa football 2017. That's
1: right. Um, and it's funny that you right. mentioned the wide receivers. Cause that was my next one for the panic room. Where are you guys at with this, um, this unit in, as a whole,
0: I'm really, I really, really like what I've seen from Nick easily. Like he, he impresses me and Amir uh, Smith, Marset said, I don't have anything bad to say about him. I, I don't think either Matt Vandenberg, I don't think it's hundred percent or him and Stanley need to spend more time after practice connecting with each other, because I don't think, you know, it's all there between them. And then Noah Fant, obviously, uh, you know, could be from young guy, could be one of the better tight ends uh, we've seen in an Iowa Jersey. So I really, and then Brandon Smith, aside from the fumble, I mean, he has two catches, so I'm not going to talk about him, but you know, I think, Having easily and Amir Smith-Marset two really good receivers is well, two more than a lot of teams. I, uh, I'm not panicked at all by this receiving core, which is funny because that was my biggest concern by far going into the season was who the heck is going to catch the ball for whoever the heck is going to be our quarterback.
2: Yeah, they've been, they've had some drops, but I think that every young wide receiver core is going to go through that. They're not going to catch them all, especially early on in their careers. So the drops don't really concern me. They don't really concern me in general. Um,
1: yeah, I'm with you guys. That's uh, all I have to say you, about that. Yeah. Um, the last one I had for you was the offensive line. Are you hitting the panic button, or do you think that this is going to be the, the prototypical Kirk Ferentz type of season where they get Illinois, they get back on track, take the bye week, solidify the offensive line in that bye week, and then all systems go for the second half of the season.
2: I'm panicking. That's that's just me. I mean, if they're going to – this is always going to be a run-first offense, and if they can't run block, then we're going to go absolutely Hey, guys, Brian Dozier just hit a lead-off home
0: run against the Twins. <laughs> against the Twins? Oh, on the, tw- for the Twins against the Yankees. There you go. Let's go, Twins. Pitch number five. My God. Okay. Uh, Offensive line. Max, why are you panicking?
2: Well, I mean, if we're going to run, as I was saying, if we're going to be a run-first football team, then we're going to need to run block. It's as simple as that. If they don't run block, Iowa's not going to beat most teams. They might not beat Illinois if they can't run block because we know that they're going to try to run the ball like 30, 40 times, depending on how many plays they get in. So um, I'm, I'm panicking.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I'm not panicking yet. I Here's what I think. I think we move Sean Welsh back to guard. I think he's probably our, our, our top first or second best run blocker, and he's playing out of woefully out of position right now at right tackle. I don't really get why he's there possibly because who they don't know who else to put out there. And maybe we start the Tristan Worf story. Uh, you know, Tristan Worf saga ends earlier than the coaches anticipated, but it has to happen out of necessity. I think we can get Walsh, Welsh next to uh, Daniel James Daniels in the interior on that offensive line. I think that would open up the run game spectacularly for this team. Uh, if that doesn't happen, I mean, I don't want to say – you know the the way this offensive line performs hinges on that transition, but that's just what I'm predicting. And if that doesn't happen, I don't see how this run blocking is going to get any better for this offensive line. Uh, I do feel better with the off with the bye week coming up. I do feel better with James Butler coming back after the bye week, but this really is a little bit surprising, and I can you know, I can see why so many people are concerned.
1: I'm with you 100%, Ben. I think what, what you said and what I laid out before is exactly what's going to happen. I think Welsh is going to kick back inside. I think it's time for the Werfs era to begin between Larry Jackson, Werfs, Welsh in the inside. I think they're going to solidify this thing in the bye week. And then, like most Kirk Ferentz teams, the second half, they're going to figure it out. They're going to get on the same page. Um, and get this thing running again.
2: Yeah, I will say that if there is one position that Iowa will yep. make changes at, it's always going to be offensive line. So if there there is that yeah, hope, that is I do it's have that point. hope. But as, yeah, things. as things sit right now, I'll hit the panic button.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If they're going to keep it this way for the rest of the season, I'm going to continue to be worried. Yeah. Well, you boys ready to punt or go for it? Always. Sure thing. The first one I have for you, and I have been racking my brain. I've asked three different people today um, who also are o- Iowa alumni what they think of this, and I've gotten mixed reviews. Um, punt or go for it, Iowa will win eight total football games.
2: <laughs> I'm punting so hard on it.
1: Does that include the bowl? It can.
2: <laughs> if, if it includes the bowl, I'm still punting on it.
0: Yeah, I can I can see eight eight wins with, even with a bowl. You're right. We haven't won a bowl game since God knows when. It feels like this this feels like a seven win team. I'm I'm punting. All right, uh,
2: my my punter go for it. Actually, was the exact opposite. I think that Iowa loses more games than they win.
1: Whoa! I don't know. I don't see a losing record on this team. I don't either. They obviously Illinois. Then after the bye, Northwestern, which. Fine, um, Minnesota. Nope. It, it, it's, it's,
0: basically,
1: it's basically a home game for Iowa at Northwestern. Did you and did you see how poorly Minnesota played against the backup, backup, backup this weekend? Oh man, at home, first home uh, Big Ten game for PJ Fleck. That boat is towed. And that quarterback that Minnesota has is like I, I, I don't know if I've I can't believe he got outplayed by the Terps'
0: third stringer. Yeah, and then their backup, who you know a lot of people thought was better, he got suspended. Uh, so I don't know if there's any other answer for quarterback in Minneapolis. All right, but after those three, who does Iowa have a chance? Like- who does
2: Iowa have more than a 50-50 shot at beating?
1: If the defense plays the way they did the last two weeks against Tanner Lee, they'll be able to force some turnovers. I know they didn't do it against these two teams, but Tanner is going to throw it right in your hands a couple times against a D that actually gets the pressure on him. I, there's no, no yeah. shot in my mind that was losing to Nebraska with that quarterback. This, this, this defense is
0: so good. They're going to keep this team in every single game. I mean, we saw it at Penn State's our best, the best offense we'll see. They'll keep us in the game against Wisconsin. Keep us in the game against Ohio State. I, this team always loses games they shouldn't, and they win games they shouldn't. It's that's a hallmark of Iowa football, and so pulling one out against Ohio State or Wisconsin
1: isn't totally out of the question to me. You know so what's, what? You know call, you know what's weird about the rest of the schedule. If I had a power rank who I'm worried about, Purdue would be my third team on that list. Oh, absolutely. That's just not a question. Would you have guessed that at the beginning of the year that Purdue, out of that the second half of the no. schedule, would have been if, a third-ranked team?
0: If we we're playing at Purdue, too, it might be number two.
1: Honestly, yeah, yeah. Purdue, the official team of the pants. I know. Gosh, get me over to Hammer and Rails, <laughs> Max. What do you think about? I mean, you think they're going <laughs> to end up with more losses for real? I
2: yeah. think that their ceiling is six and six. <laughs> And it's because they have three wins right now. There's three games on there that I could say that realistically they have more than a 50-50 shot at winning, and that's the next three.
1: So you're telling me that I should book my trip to Detroit to watch them in the Slim Jim Foster Bowl or whatever now, huh?
0: (laughs) That's, yeah. Detroit's beautiful in December. Yes, it is. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But,
2: I mean... I don't Purdue. They've been their offense is pretty multiple. I think I I could see like them giving Iowa absolute fits. Uh the only reason I'm concerned about Nebraska is that it's going to be at the end of the season and Nebraska has a chance to put it together at that point. They've got 6 games until then.
0: Yeah, so does Iowa.
2: That's true, but uh, from what I've seen thus far is with punting.
0: Oh, field position that is wins football two games. home runs for your Minnesota Twins in the first inning at Eddie Rosario, my goodness. Wow, 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 wow. Can we turn this into a Minnesota Twins blog?
1: Well, I mean, I think your dog sure wants to the dog liked it.
0: Yeah. Man, oh man, oh man. Twins up 3 nothing top of the 1st against your Bronx Bombers. So yeah, 6 and 6. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Um, my second and final punt for uh, or go for it tonight was: Akron Wildly shouldn't be the bell cow for this Iowa offense.
2: Define bell cow? Like, are we saying like gets the most carries, like takes all of them, pretty much? Like, yeah,
1: yeah. The way that it's been the last couple weeks, with him just taking the most carries. I'm not talking overall touches. Um, but just getting the majority of the carries out of the backfield only.
2: Okay, so like a, even like a 60-40 split, a 55-45 split, that counts as Belkow? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Then I disagree. I'm going to punt on that. I think that he has the most talent. He should get the most touches out of the backfield. He should get the most carries. But I think that they need to get somebody else involved.
0: Ben? I, okay, so I agree, but I also disagree. I agree because I don't think Wadley has the frame – to be in every down back. Uh, But he is without a doubt our best running back. And you have to get, you know, your best player the ball as many times as you can. But at the same time, you know, he's a, he's a Colt, not a Clydesdale. Uh, Last year we had a Clydesdale in LaShawn Daniels and Wadley was the absolute perfect thunder to Daniels lightning. And right now, you know, the coaching staff, for whatever reason, refuses to give Wadley a break Especially with Butler gone. Uh, I think Wadley, obviously, he's probably, you know, honestly, our best receiving, our biggest receiving threat, too. He's just, everybody, you know, he's he's being spied by these defenses, by their safety, just committed to covering Wadley. And it's not, we're not being, our play calling isn't creative enough to uh, uh, make Wadley as big of a threat as he should be or could be. And, uh, you know, so I agree with you in, 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 I don't know, in theory, but in practice, not so much. Or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know.
1: And that's fair. All right, boys. Well let's get into the Illinois game that's coming up on Saturday. The fighting Illini are two and two and 0 oh and one in conference. My analysis is they are one of the worst teams in all of college football and Lovey Smith has a mess on his hands. Such a big mess that he's doing the old thing he used to do for the Chicago Bears and put in the backup quarterback and hope it all becomes right again. What are you? Yeah. So what are so we've
0: got uh, two f- two sons or nephews of former NFL quarterbacks on this team. We got Jeff George Jr., who was named Tim Crouch. and and Tim Crouch's. I think it's Tim Crouch's nephew. Could be a son. I don't know. But so Jeff George Jr. was named the starter this week, right, Jerry? Correct. So uh, I, I mean, I...
1: on the same on the same day that Mitch Trubisky was named the starting quarterback. By oh. the way, I don't think there's a coincidence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ready <Right in> to <through laughs> the tea leaves over here. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it matters who's playing quarterback for this Illinois team. I really, I mean, they shouldn't score more than 10 points against this defense.
2: It surely does not matter who the quarterback is because after the game at his post-game press conference, Lovey Smith said, we are not a passing team. (laughs) (laughs) That is a verbatim quote from Lovey Smith. He said, we are not a passing team. The only problem with that statement is Illinois is dead last in the conference in rushing?
0: Yeah, their their offensive stats are not pretty. Um, they don't have a receiver. They're never, I mean, I think their running back, his stats actually aren't. I mean, he's averaging five, five yards a pop. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about Illinois defense and about the Illinois football team. I, I, I'm at a loss.
1: Well, what I do know is that they're 18-point dogs. Mm-hmm, and... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, sir, are a resident gambling champion. I had a very rough week last week, so I don't even want to say what oh. I'm thinking. But where are you at? Given the 18, are you taking I'm not, that? Ta- or... I don't. I'm not taking it. Oh, gosh, uh, Benny's bets did not
0: do well last week, uh, especially the Iowa one. I, I can't. I just. I, I think I was going to win, but 18 points—that's a lot to ask. It's
1: a lot of points.
2: Yeah. I mean the way that the offense has played lately and i tweeted this from the account that illinois would be the best medicine in the big 10 west but just they need to show me something before i'm willing to put to say that they even score 18 points yeah
0: i mean i could easily see this being a 14 10 14 7 14 nothing game
1: um for iowa and that's what's that's what's ultimately going to drive me nuts about this game because it should be the one where Brian tries some weird things – to see what Stanley can do in maybe a passing type situation, at least to start. I know towards the end they're going to want to just run it out and get those kids out of there into the bye week sooner, but why not open the game up going and throwing on first down like we talked about again, or trying a couple play action, moving the pocket a little bit, maybe a bootleg or two with Wadley who's going to get all the attention from Lovey Smith's defense. I mean, that's what I would like to see them do at least in the first quarter, and if they do that and it's successful, I can see these guys winning by 21 to 24 points easily. Yeah, if we see the offense
0: that we saw uh, you know, earlier earlier in the season, I'd feel really good against even Iowa State. I mean, the Iowa State offense was something out of a, a wet dream for an Iowa fan. And if we can pull yeah. that out again, for you know, can blow the dust off that playbook, yeah, sky's the limit. But, uh, you know, I tweeted, I tweeted out of rage on Saturday that Iowa should lay 35 points on Michigan State, or they had the opportunity to. I don't know if I believe that now, but I think... You know the weapons are there. It just makes me sad to see this the the players in this team underutilized and not being able to reach their full potential simply because of the way this offense is being constructed and being executed. And um, and they need to show me again that they can lay
1: laid on an inferior team to make me to earn my dollars. I'm with you. Prediction time, boys. Give me your prediction for the weekend, and then. Ben, give us the flavor of the week, if you will. All right, Max, you go. Uh,
2: I have given this absolutely no thought. Perfect. Um, So let's go. Gut check reaction. Iowa, 22. (laughs) Illinois, Illinois, 11. How is Illinois going to score 11 points? Uh, That's a great question. I have no idea. Three field goals
1: and a safety. Woo!
2: I just wanted to throw out something absolutely ridiculous. I don't don't even know.
0: Yeah. um, I'm going to say, you know, 28, Iowa 28, Illinois 14. I think Illinois gets a late touchdown to help cover the spread. Um, And that leads me to Ben and Jerry's Flavor of the Week. This week we have a sponsor. Ben and Jerry's Flavor of the Week is brought to you by Poncheros. Poncheros, because I didn't make enough mistakes on the Ped Mall on Saturday night. So looking at we already talked about Iowa minus 18. Uh don't touch it. We don't like it. Some things I do like. I like Florida minus three and a half uh at home against LSU. That seems a little weird to me. I'm not sure why. I don't think either team's very good, but I think LSU is legitimately bad. Um so I just really Coach o. Yeah, Coach O, I mean, God, his his buyout, his, the SEC is making Iowa look good with the buyouts for their coaches. Uh, Coach Joe's buyout is ridiculous. Brett Bielema's buyout is the worst in college football, and it's not even close. Um, don't even at me. After that, um, you know, it's kind of slim pickings this week. I kind of like Wisconsin minus 11 at Nebraska uh, just because I think they're going to be really mad, and I don't think Nebraska is, you know, still anything. Um, Michigan State plus ten at Michigan's kind of intriguing. I just think that'll be a close game because uh, Michigan State's gonna be riding high, and I don't think Michigan's very good. Uh, I do have a hot take. I think so Wilton Spates out for a few weeks. Michigan's quarterback. I think their backup John is better, like significantly better. Um, Agreed. I'm surprised yeah. it took this long. Like, so that is that is a little dicey. Um, Let's see, Oregon minus two and a half at home against Washington State. Washington State's going to be riding high. Ooh. I just uh, – Autzen Stadium. Take the over. Yeah, no shit. Take the over. Oh, sorry. Yeah, take the <laughs> over. But uh, I'm even looking what that number is because I don't do overs. And then last, Utah plus five and a half um, at home against Stanford. I love Utah. I love betting Utah. I think they're fun to watch, and Stanford hasn't really shown me anything this year.
1: The thing I'm going to leave everybody with is a three-team oh, teaser. Yeah. If your bookie doesn't do it, go online and lay it down. I want Purdue plus three and a half. I want Maryland plus 36 against Ohio State. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm teasing Iowa down to 12 over Illinois. That's my three-team teaser for the weekend that I can offer you all as my condolences for me kind of overreacting in my recap on Saturday. Where is the Maryland game? It is at Ohio State, but 36 points. That That's so a lot of points, points, but I
0: don't know. It uh, seems like Ohio State's figuring things out.
2: How I, many points did Ohio State beat Rutgers by this past week? 62. 62? Was it 62-0? I stopped watching. Yep. You uh, watched, sorry. period? Uh, yeah, I thought it was funny.
0: And it was, I think it was 64 nothing last year. So people are saying that Iowa State, or Ohio State is uh, worse. Which, <laughs> I mean, yeah, two points worse. That's significant.
1: I yeah, believe but, in the backup, uh, backup, backup. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but so I, I think that Maryland's a lot better than Rutgers. I was going to say that, but I don't know. That's, twi- that's half as many points I think that Ohio State could still do it.
1: Mm-hmm. It is a ton. All right. For Black Harkle Pants, this week we have everything Illinois-related. You can go and kind of check out what we did for the Michigan State game as well if your heart is still wants to be in pain. If not, let's move along and catch up with what we got coming for this weekend. Obviously, all three of us expect Iowa to get back on track before the bye week. Um, please, guys, all I can ask for you is to go on, leave us a review on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes and pass around to your friends. All of that helps us out tremendously, and it spreads the word to all of the Iowa fans out there to listen to this beautiful podcast in our lovely three voices. So to send it off, I am going to say goodbye for Max, for Ben, I am Jerry. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. The Twins are up 3 nothing. Turn off this podcast
0: before we lose. <laughs>